Ladies and gents, hello, welcome back. Episode 38 this time around. Thank you for joining us. And if you have been joining us for all of the previous 37 podcasts, just know that it is very, very much appreciated. And if at any point you feel you want to, or if you want to help me out, uh, or if you're feeling guilty because, man, I've just got all of this amazing information for free, then don't worry. You can head over to iTunes, leave a little review and a rating, and it would help me massively. Normally, I put this bit at the end of a podcast, but I think I'll put it at the beginning. Maybe it will stir some people on. So do me a favor. Before you get into the meat of this particular episode, head over to iTunes and give it a review. And if it's your first podcast, that'd be really fucking weird. Review it before you've even listened to it. (laughs) Anyways, welcome to episode 38. And this time around, I'm talking to all of you that struggle. All of you that are really struggling to be consistent, regardless of what approach you're taking, regardless of the actions that you are doing, you just can't seem to get going. You just can't seem to get a rhythm under your belt. And as much as, as mentioned in previous podcasts, there's your first bingo card, I can talk all day long about habits and creating good habits and creating consistency through using those habits. Sometimes that doesn't work for some people. I've been around the block enough times with this coaching lark, been around the block enough times as working with people and working with a plethora of different people to understand that what's good for the goose isn't always good for the gander. What is good for one person doesn't always suit someone else. And we are all so, so different. So this particular podcast is for the people that still struggle. Regardless of their endeavors to apply everything I've touched on in previous podcasts, and if you haven't tried those things, I would thoroughly recommend that you do. This is for those of you that just cannot get going, just really kind of struggle to just stay on track, if you will, stay on game, if you will. And I'll be honest with you, from experience, sometimes that terminology, that thought process in itself is the issue. We have this diet mentality, like a switch of we are on it or off it. And so many times I'll be coaching these people and I'll get a message come through after a few days of silence and it will be, I just can't seem to stay on it at the moment or I need to get back on it. And it's that terminology, it's that mindset, which potentially is what's fucking you over in the first place. You're finding yourself in this position where you are constantly thinking that you must do a series of behaviors that are so alien to what you already do. You know, you can't have an off again mentality if you don't have an on again mentality and vice versa. So what I mean is you can't consider yourself to be on program if, in fact, you consider yourself to be off program. Now, what I mean by that is your off program is your default. It's your kind of going about your day, doing your job, living your life, eating and moving in a way which is, you know, subconscious for you in a way which is just automatic that's just how much you move that's just how much you eat you eat when you're hungry sometimes when you're not and you just that's how you live your life it's like i said it's what i call your default and by having that as what we call your off approach then by definition you are then on when you are not doing those behaviors when you're a bit more conscious you know when you are following either tracking your calories or you're doing your exercise and thus when we don't adhere to those things there's a thus by the way <laughs> another bingo when we don't adhere to those things you then find yourself off program again but what about if you were never actually off program what about if there was no on and off What about if it was actually just how you exist, your default, and we changed what default was for you? Now, that in itself is what I endeavor to do as a coach. 
My job is to help people reestablish what a new normal is, a bit like a lot of people having to do with COVID-19. We have to get used to the new normal as we keep hearing. But the process itself is hard. So if you are struggling to adhere to the protocols or the principles that you've outlined in front of you, then I'm not surprised because it is difficult. We have to understand that the heavier you are, the more body fat that you've gained over the years, you, the longer you've been gaining it, you know, the deeper you are into your life and depending, you know, when the, the issue first started, all of these things and many more are complications which make the journey more difficult. You know, imagine it like trying to, you know, walk from uh, the sea onto the shore, if you will. You know, if you were only a couple of centimeters into the sea, it's pretty fucking easy to get yourself back on dry land. But if you are about a mile out, you've got to do some swimming. And then you've got to get to that really shitty seaweedy bit. Then you've got to get to the rocky bit. Let's pretend you're in bare feet, you know. And then you've got to wade through a good three feet of water and then through two and a half feet and then two feet, etc. And it's difficult. So in other words, the deeper you are into all of these bad habits and all of these issues, all of these behaviors that have led you to turn to food or led you to overconsume, or, you know, in the most simplest of ways, led you to be in a calorie surplus for the majority of the time, which is obviously what's led to you gaining an excess of body fat. You've given your body more energy than it needs consistently because, you know, nobody got fat from just one meal. Then that journey is going to be more difficult for you. It's going to be more difficult than, you know, Jane around the corner who's only got a couple of pounds to lose, who's always been thin most of her life, when you have never known life in a healthier or a slimmer position, you know? So I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to make sure that we don't compare ourselves to anybody else. We have to make sure that we understand that our journey is our journey. And although there may be correlations with other people, in terms of principles, approaches, what works for them, different tips, tricks, etc. There's going to be similarities, yes, but you have to understand that how you think, how you go about your life, the way that you live it, the journey that you've had thus far, and in other words, how deep into the fucking sea you are is unique to you. So by all means, draw inspiration, by all means, share ideas, but understand that this is your journey and no one's ever fucking done it before. And to kick off that journey... First, you've got to understand, like, how important it is for you. Like, how important is it for you to reduce your body fat? Because I have worked with people previously where their their goal has been led by social media or their goal has been led by other people. I've got one client recently that recommended a family member to um to you know to join the program. They said, "Here's here's their details. Can you contact them?" And I said, "No." And they were like, well, you're not taking anybody new on. I said, no, I'm, I'm taking people on, but I'm not going to contact them. And they were like, well, what do you mean? And it's like, well, from a business perspective, you could easily look at that and go, well, why the fuck would you not chase what is a lead? You know, someone that has turned around and said, I'm interested in starting a program. And I said to, said to this client of mine, I said, give them my details. All they need to do is send me one message, even if it just says hello, and then I'll do the rest. She was like, that, I, don't, I don't truly understand why you're taking that approach. Why can't you just message them? And I said, because if I message them, the onus has completely come from me. You know, my Facebook posts, etc. they promote action. You know, they get people to read them, to think about the things that they're doing, to think about their lives, and then they reach out with a message to me. And so with this particular person, if I sent them a message and I said, hey, I hear you're looking to reduce some body fat, that's not them taking the first step. 
that's you know the equivalent of if you were in face to face that's the equivalent of me walking up to them and going hi so you want to reduce your body fat as opposed to them having that initial courage that initial what's the word initiative to come up to me and go hi i'd like some help and that acceptance that one word help is so important when it comes to the success of your journey or not because not only does that break down a wall immediately not only does that drop a barrier that says i am willing to be supported it's a huge step but it also tells me that it's important to them it tells me that it's something that they want to change an action that they have chosen to do because it's something which means something to them and let me tell you in the deepest darkest moments of a calorie deficit or a journey or a diet whatever the fuck you want to call it you need that you need to be driven by that goal because i've known loads of people that are overweight loads of people that are unhealthy to sometimes exponential levels but they're happy they're content they know that they use food as a comfort they know that they don't move enough they know that there are severe health issues looming over them or you know perhaps what they're going through already they know exactly what they've done to themselves and they don't fucking care they love their life. They're enjoying their life. And so those people, you carry the fuck on. At the end of the day, my job is to promote a quality of life. And the only way that I can promote a quality of life is if someone agrees that right now they don't have a good quality of life. Same thing with this client. They have to accept, I'm not happy where I am and I want to make a change. They have to be receptive to change. Because if you're content, the fuck's a PT walking up to you going, hi, I hear you want to lose some body fat. Because there are people that aren't strong enough minded to then, dare I say, think for themselves. And so they get suckered down this rabbit hole, be it by friends, family, spouses, a trainer. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That's, that goal sounds great. And then, you know, they begin. They barely adhere because it's just not fucking important. I think back to my days working at Fitness First and, you know, the sales team would be walking up to people that had never, ever expressed interest in a gym whatsoever. No interest in joining whatsoever. And some of these salespeople were so fucking good that within the space of five minutes, these people had gone from just doing their weekly shopping littles to deciding they wanted to join a gym. And then you know what happens? They signed up for a 12-year, or 12-year? Fucking hell, that's a long contract. Signed up to a 12-month contract. And then funnily enough, they never went. And then suddenly they kiss goodbye to a year's worth of money. Because they couldn't get out of it. And so that's why I have this mindset of you can't lead, you know, I suppose, you know, yes, you can lead the horse to the water, but it's up to the horse to drink. I suppose is the best analogy I can give you there. But... Going back, I suppose, to the main topic at hand, you know, not only is how important is your goal to you, i.e. is it something you actually want to fucking achieve in the first place, but what do you get out of it, you know, because obviously I can sit here and I can list off all of the benefits of reducing your body fat, improving your health, both mentally and physically, and all of the jazz that comes along with that, but if you're quite content with where you are, if you're quite content with your quality of life, you understand the risks, you know, then again, who am I to walk into your life and go, well, you shouldn't be doing that? Who, you know, what is this podcast to walk into your life and go, oh, no, you should change. You know, we shouldn't be driven by what society dictates that we should be driven by. You know, yes, it's a different conversation to talk about, the, you know, the strain on the NHS and stuff like that. And, you know, we do have 
and obesity crisis in comparison to 50 years ago even, you know? We are a, a fatter world nowadays than we used to be, but are you fucking surprised when every single thing you can want could be delivered to your front door? Fuck me, lockdown's taught us that. You never need to leave the house. Everything can be brought to you, you know? And in the fucking place of Amazon Prime, everything can be brought to you within the space of a day. I ordered something yesterday and I got it by 10 p.m. that night. That's ridiculous. Anyways, let's not digress any further. So let's say that it is important to you. It is a goal you want to achieve. You know you know what you get out of it. You know the kind of the, the quality of life that's going to come from it, which we'll touch more on later. The first advice I could give anybody that's struggling is to start small. So many people go down the dieting mentality because they panic and they go, oh my God, I need to make a difference and I need to make it now. Sometimes because doctor scares them or they get a health scare, etc. So they go, I need to make a big shift. And so they overhaul everything. They completely bring an exercise they're not used to doing. They do a load more activity than you're not used to doing. Uh, they then ache massively because of it, therefore reducing their quality of life further. They dramatically change their diet so far away from what they actually enjoy. And obviously, as I've touched on previously, none of this shit is sustainable. You know, The best analogy I could give you for this, I suppose, particular uh, part of this podcast is I live in Bognor Regis. It's on the south coast between Portsmouth and Brighton. And... Imagine driving from here to Birmingham. That's about a five-hour journey if, you know, it's steady. You know, you're not pushing it. It's just normal, etc. Now, Bognor to Birmingham, you can do that journey quicker if you break a load of laws. But by breaking a load of laws and speeding the entire way there, firstly, you need to make sure that you have a vehicle that can do it. Secondly, you're going to use more fuel. Thirdly, you're going to risk the lives of the people that you come across on that journey. And thirdly, you're going to be knackered because the level of concentration, the level of effort you need to travel at a higher speed for that duration of time is much, much greater than a steady trip of five hours from Bognor to Birmingham. And this is the same situation as far as the speed of your, your diet, you know, the size of your deficit. You can get to your destination far, far quicker by taking more aggressive strategies like speeding up things by taking a bigger deficit, by dramatically overhauling the way that you eat or the way that you move. But all of these things come with their inherent, inherent risks. You can't just up the pace without penalty. You can't just get to your goal faster. You know, no one is sat there trundling along towards their fat loss goal because there's an, a faster option, but they're choosing to do it slower through no risk, you know. Everybody is going at a pace which is appropriate to them because pushing harder means that they then inevitably come across these situations, they come across these risks, they come across these issues, you know, and it's not worth taking those risks to achieve the goal. And I suppose that brings me quite nicely into the question, why sustainable? Why is it so important to adopt a sustainable approach when it comes to what you're doing? And why is that so important when you're struggling? Well, Firstly, you've got from a health perspective, the bigger calorie deficit you put yourself in, the bigger you risk elements of your health, you know, metabolic health, you risk issues as far as your heart's concerned, but also carrying that forwards into a broader spectrum of health, you risk your mental health. You know, you're damaging your relationship with food, you're damaging your relationship with, with activity, you know, your relationship with exercise. All of these things become chores, all of these things become incredibly aggressive. And so you find yourself in a position where, yep, you've achieved the goal, but you've absolutely ruined things which are lifelong. 
You need to continue to move. You need to continue to look after yourself. You need to continue to eat. But the problem is you've completely demoralized yourself so that all you want to do is binge. All you want to do is go off the rails. Why sustainable as well? Because of expense. It's fucking expensive to keep doing diets, to stay a member of Slimming World or Weight Watchers or to keep buying Herbalife or to keep doing these diets. You know, the expense of a sustainable approach is minimal if you're not changing your diet too much. If you're just adhering to a principle of a calorie deficit, but you are looking at what you're consuming, you're probably going to make healthier choices. It's going to be more expensive in some ways. For example, you might opt for the more expensive mints because you want the lower fat alternative, but then it's going to be cheaper in other ways because you're having things like less takeaways. There was a uh, a lady that was on my Made by Moist program quite a few seasons ago, and she sent me a breakdown of how much money she'd saved on the Made by Moist program because of taking a more mindful approach to what she's doing. She wasn't buying her lunches every day. She wasn't having as many takeaways, and she took the time to monetarily, is that the word? add up the cost and she realized that she basically saved the entire fee of the program and some simply by the changes that she'd made so therefore my coaching effectively cost her nothing if anything she earned money from the coaching and finally quality of life and when i say quality of life i've put a little thing next to it saying c part three which is what do you get out of it because Quality of life means a different thing for everybody. You know, quality of life, of course, encompasses confidence, social skills, you know, mobility, the ability to do things, you know, not having doors closed to you simply because you're overweight or immobile. But at the same time, quality of life does mean very different things as far as what you want from life. Good quality of life for you may just be the ability to wake up every day and do whatever the fuck you want to do. And that may be my quality of life is I want to be lazy. I want to be able to park miles in front of the TV and just consume. Quality of life for other people may be, I want to be able to go for runs with my kids or, you know, go on bike rides, go swimming, etc. Quality of life for person number three might be, I want the ability to be focused more on playing with my children than I do being self-conscious about wearing the bikini while I'm in the pool playing with my children. And there's, you know, a plethora of different things that come along with quality of life. But this is why sustainable is so important because it gives you a quality of life, not just after the journey is done, but while the journey is going on. It's not just about, you know, everyone has this kind of, I don't know, this conception of, or perception, sorry, of I'm going to pause my life, I'm going to achieve this goal, then I'm going to restart my life, and it will be the way that I want it to be. But it's a fucking myth. It's bollocks. It doesn't work that way. You can't just go, right, I'm going to pause my life for 12 weeks, achieve my goal, jobs are good, because... Your relationship with food is lifelong. Therefore, it's something you need to continuously work out, continuously keep an eye on. Same thing with activity, you know? Different levels of intensity will undulate over the course of your life. Things will adjust, things will change. But at the end of the day, it's not just something you can isolate to this singular singular period, and then that's it, you know? And this is why sustainable is so important, because we're teaching you to establish a better relationship with the foods that you enjoy, not just a fucking diet plan, which is actually your PT's diet, where they've just tweaked it a little bit to suit you. You have your own needs, you have your own diet, you have your own approach, and it's that which we must work with. And it's not the one which we work with to achieve the result, it's the one that we worked with as your default. That's what we've got to work with. Because if we change your default, then nothing much changes when the goal is done. I'm so often talking to my clients about life after their the achievement of their goal, and I'll always say to them, if we've done this right, 
When you achieve your goal, the only thing that changes is the amount of calories that you have on MyFitnessPal. And perhaps, you know, most likely the fact that you're using MyFitnessPal, etc. in the first place. So if you're struggling, stop opting for the fast. Stop opting for the dieting approach. Stop going down this aggressive rabbit hole time and time again with different aggressive approaches, thinking that this bandage is going to be the one that fixes the bullet wound. Because it's a fucking bullet wound. You've been bleeding for years. You've been bleeding maybe since childhood. You've been bleeding for as long as you can remember. And so no amount of eat, fuck all, move lots is going to solve that fundamental psychological issue. You have to fix the relationship you have with food and the foods that put the weight on. You know, if you are a cereal takeaway orderer, if you are a cereal eater-outer, if you are a cereal drinker, whatever, then your issue is with those things your relationship with those things, the frequency and the intensity of which that you consume them, not with just papering over it by going, right, I'm not going to do those things right now. Because even if you're successful at this highly aggressive approach, even if you're successful at your diet, all that's going to happen is you're going to cut these things out because, you know, that's what you do on diet, isn't it? Then you're going to bring them all back in again after you've achieved your goal and you haven't fixed any fucking problem. All you've done is, I suppose, again, another analogy, all you've done is drive another car for 12 weeks. You know, you've got a car where you've got a puncher, the engine's fucking rattling, the door's falling off, it leaks, it stinks, and it's pulling slightly to the left. And then all that happens is you jump in a higher car for a bit, you enjoy it, and you go, oh, this is lovely, this is, this is great. And you get to feel what it's like to be normal for a bit. And then you achieve your goal, you think, oh, it's fucking brilliant. You hand the hire car back, and then what happens? You get straight back in your shitty fucking car again. And oh, look, the problems are still there. Fix the fucking car. Fix the problems. That's where the issue comes from. So if anybody ever says to me, oh, no, what's better, a fast fat loss approach or a sustainable one, there is no alternative. Sustainable is the only option unless you just want to repeat the journey over and over again. And if you want to be a yo-yo dieter, if you want to literally just, you know, oh, lost all the weight, cool, there's 20 pounds gone. Oh, I've gained 30, better go back on a diet again. The next year, oh, I've gained 32 pounds, better go back on a diet again. If you are a New Year's resolution monkey, then you crack the fuck on, okay? If that's what you like to do every year and just act like a mindless animal every single January, you fill your boots. But there's a better way. And there is more to life than dieting. There is more to life than just constantly, constantly in a calorie fucking deficit. And this is the irony with people that I speak to. They go, oh, I feel like I've been in a calorie deficit for years. And it's like, well, you haven't. Because if you had been in a calorie deficit for years, you would be at your goal. So the fact remains is you may have been endeavoring to be in a calorie deficit. You may have been taking steps, etc., to try and elicit a calorie deficit. But the fact remains, you haven't been in a fucking calorie deficit because you've ha- if you had have been, you'd be at your goal. <laughs> you know, you can't be in a deficit forever. Otherwise, you end up as thin as the piece of paper that I've written the notes for this podcast on. It doesn't doesn't equate doesn't equate. So moving on, moving on, you're struggling. What do we do? Well, nine times out of ten, if you're struggling, you're probably struggling with adherence. And if you're struggling with adherence, chances are it's because of excuses. Now, nobody likes to hear this bit, do they? This is the, this is the, the butthole clenching bit. This is the bit of, oh man, shit, this is the bit where the home truths come out. But the fact remains is we all have excuses, even me. I have excuses why sometimes I can't be asked to record a podcast. I have excuses as to why sometimes I can't be asked to go to the gym, why I can't be asked to adhere to my diet, etc. But there will always be 
an excuse. There will always be a reason why you don't have to do what you want to do, and there will always be a bullshit justification from yourself. But this is what I think it's so important to recognize. We are trying to live in a world where there are no excuses, but there will always be excuses. So therefore, we're trying to live in a world where we don't make excuses, but you will always make excuses, even if you do this shit for a living. So you know what a better approach to take is? To understand that sometimes you can't be fucking asked, and that's okay. Because the excuses come sometimes with tracking, with the adherence to data. You know, oh, I couldn't be asked to wear my Fitbit this week. I'm sick and tired of wearing it. Oh, I'm sick and tired of tracking on my fitness power. It's such a chore. Despite the fact if you open up your screen time, you spent five hours on Facebook and you've spent three minutes on my fitness power. Oh, it's such a fucking chore, isn't it? But again, there's always an answer to an excuse as well. And as a coach, sometimes I can be, you know, I could be accused of always having an answer. Always going, well, this excuse, you could have done this. This excuse, you could have done that. I sometimes cannot be fucking asked to track on my fitness pal. I get fed the fuck up of always having to go, well, the calories are this. No, I better make the better option. And the funny thing is, you're always going to be that way. There's always going to be a reason why you can't be asked to do something, as I said. So it's important to recognize that sometimes it's okay to succumb to those excuses if you're the kind of person that struggles. COVID has been a fucking brilliant one. Oh, I can't, I can't do that because I don't want to go to the gym because at risk of my health, even despite the fact that gyms are one of the safest places in the country at the moment. You know, oh, you know, because of COVID. Or, you know, because of COVID, because of lockdown. You know, I couldn't do what I wanted to do, so I didn't do anything. You see, you, you were still eating, right? You were still tracking your food. In fact, if anything, there was never a riskier time to get a takeaway than there was in lockdown one. So, hmm, yeah. Uh, again, a counter to an excuse. Being immobile, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so overweight or my mobility is so crap that I, I can't get my steps done or, you know, I can't move that much. Again, bullshit. There's an excuse to that one too. Well, there's an answer to that one too. If you're immobile, you need to create a calorie deficit. And the, the joy of it is if you are so immobile because of being overweight, etc., that means that your body requires a shitload of calories to move. That means that you will burn so much more with one step than, for example, I would. Therefore, one step for you, and these aren't accurate figures, but to give it as an example, one step for you would burn five calories. One step for me would burn 0.5 calories. Therefore, if you are massively overweight, you've actually got a huge fucking advantage because you're moving a load of weight around. It's the difference between me having, you know, a, I don't know, a one litre engine in a car that weighs a tonne and a one litre engine in a car that weighs five tonne. The five-ton car requires more fuel despite the fact it's got the same engine. Again, I'm going down an analogy that probably only makes sense to me, but hopefully you can bear with that one. So immobile isn't an excuse to not achieve your goal. If anything, it puts you in an advantageous position to achieve your goal because it's a fuckload easier to be in a calorie deficit. And of course, finally, we have money. Now, one of the reasons with my own coaching, for example, that I charge dramatically, and I'm not kidding, by the way, do some research if you want to, dramatically less than pretty much every coach that I know. It's not because I'm shit. It's because I'm better, if I'm honest. A, I give more of a shit. And B, the reason I charge what I charge is because I never, ever, ever want a client to come to me with the excuse of, oh, it's just not financially viable at the moment. Now, at the time of recording this, 
my online coaching program, which is 12 weeks long, is 150 quid, okay, which works out to what? Just over 10 pounds a week. Once someone has completed their 12 weeks, they get the option of a renewal. And every single month, they will then be charged 19 pounds 99, 20 quid, let's make it simple, every month to continue the coaching. 20 quid over the course of a month. That's less than five quid a week to continue to be coached. The direction, support, accountability, no less intensity from me. You know, if they still need a shitload of support, accountability, it still comes. Ask anybody that I'm coaching that's been with me for a while. Why is that the case when there's people out there charging, and I'm not kidding, 300 pounds a month and I'm charging 20? Is that because I'm shit? No. It's because... I don't ever want finances to be in the way of someone achieving their goal. I don't ever want someone to turn around and say to me, oh, I just can't afford it anymore. It's £20 a month. I spend more on mints every fucking week. Or at least I did when I was coaching fully one-to-one. Went through a lot of mints in those days. Uh, and mints, by the way, M-I-N-T-S, not mints as in steak. <laughs> um, I spend more on mints each week than I would on coaching. Because I don't want that to be the barrier that is in the way of someone achieving their goal, improving their life, improving their health, improving their self-worth, maybe even saving their fucking life for less money than that. But people will always have, you know, oh, it's expensive. It's like, it really isn't. And again, I go back to the example that I used that woman that saved money on the MBM program. And that's why my price point is what it is. And that's why it always will be. Because I could charge more. So many people have said that I could charge more. Hell, only last week I had a new client say to me, I recorded him a video of demonstrating some exercise. And he was like, did you just record that? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, mate, the £300 a month coach that I had like before you didn't go to that length for me. And yet I've paid you fuck all in comparison. And again, I don't want this to turn out as like five minutes of me bigging myself up. But the point I'm trying to get to is that money adherence to tracking data, COVID, being a mobile, plus many other things will always be an excuse for non-adherence, will always be an excuse end of. But I think the best thing I can say to you, if you're one of these people that will always use one of these things or many other reasons as to why they can't continue to adhere, is to understand that if you don't like tracking, there are alternatives. There's a million and one ways to be in a calorie deficit because at the end of the day, to achieve your goal, that's the point. It's not about my fitness pal. It's not about Fitbits. It's not about any of that shit. It's not about exercise. It's just about being in a calorie deficit consistently. You've got 365 days in the year. Spend 300 of them in a calorie deficit. Spend 60 of them not in a calorie deficit. And spend five of them kicking the fucking ass out of your calories. And what are you still doing the majority of the time? You're still in a calorie deficit which means you will still achieve, which brings me quite nicely onto one of the final points on my list, which is what's the rush? Now, this does link quite nicely into the costing thing I was talking about, which is what, another one of the reasons why I keep my costing where it is, because what's the rush? Why must, you know, yes, there's health issues. Yes, you want to get there as fast as possible. You want to get to Birmingham in less than five hours, to use that previous analogy. Uh, and if you're fucking listening to this halfway through and you've jumped in someone's car and they've got it on, that won't make sense. But go back and listen. You'll, you'll know. I wish I could timestamp, but fuck knows when I spoke about that over the last 32 minutes nearly. But what's the rush? You know, if you want to achieve this, if you want the goal to stick, then 
apply yourself, make it sustainable so that you can actually stick to it, you know, cross the amount of people that put their foot down on the road to Birmingham and they end up crashing, you know, having a binge and they don't adhere. People think, oh, I want to go quicker. I want to go quicker. It's like, okay, well, you do know that there's sacrifices to going quicker. In other words, if you try to go quicker with your calorie deficit, you're going to come up against a binge. So in actual fact, you may think you're achieving your goal quicker. You may be thinking you're pushing harder, but your adherence has gone to shit. But if you just stayed at a sustainable pace, it's the tortoise and hare situation, basically. The tortoise, it always wins. But it doesn't mean you have to be a tortoise. You could be a fast fucking tortoise. You could be like that snail in turbo. So, that again, I come back to the question and ask yourself right now, what is the rush? Because yes, I know you want to get there. I know you do. We all want to get to Christmas every fucking year as fast as possible. You know, unless you're a Grinch. You know, we all want to get our promotion as fast as possible. We always want to earn more money as fast as possible. Hell, I want to supercharge the Mustang and I want to get the supercharger as fast as possible. But is it fucking realistic right now? No, it's not. So what is the actual rush apart from your own impatience? And it's your own impatience that could actually cost you the entirety of your journey, could cost you the integrity of your journey so that you never actually complete it. You never get to Birmingham. And again, like I said, this is why I speak about what I charge because then, because people aren't being charged that much, because people aren't looking at this huge £300 coming out of their bank account every month, there's not this, I must get it done because I can't afford to continue to be coached. So I must get it done in this short time frame, which then creates more problems. If it's only 20 quid a month, yes, of course, you're going to get some people that go, you know, there's, there's other stuff that's happening right now, especially with COVID, obviously. But at the same time, it's an investment in your health. It's a very small investment in your health. Um, and also it's hopefully not something which is going to get in your way. You're going to be thinking, ah, you know what, if I don't achieve it in the 12 weeks, the most important thing is that I'm able to keep going. I can keep that direction, support and accountability. Or, you know, better still, I can train people, I can give them all the advice and they can be self-sufficient. As per a post I put up this week about a client that still achieved two stone after she unfortunately was no longer able to continue working with me due to financial reasons. She still, and I mean financial reasons for 20 quid a month, but if you knew the circumstance, you'd understand why. But she still went on and continued to apply. So there will be some people where that is a reason. But again, it wasn't an excuse because she went, no, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to roll with this now. I've got to do this. Even though I don't have this direction, support and accountability, I've got as much as I need right now to be able to push on. You know, and if she needs help in the future, she knows why I am, but she also knows that it's not going to cost her an arm and a leg. So what is the rush apart from your own impatience of getting to your own goal? Because if you do it right, if you do it well, you'll sustain it. As I touched on with my Florida deficit, I achieved the goal. I did. I got there. I achieved what I wanted to do, but I didn't, I didn't sustain it because I pushed too hard. I pushed too hard because my adherence was shit. I was in a deficit from October round to April. Something was amiss. Okay. With the amount that I lost, something was amiss. I think my net loss was less than a pound a week. Now, that, that's, that's a big red flag. And that's because I was doing fucking eating challenges, etc. during because I was obsessed with food. The bigger the deficit, the more obsessed with food you get. So my friend, my struggling friend, you know, the one who sat there, who sat through 35 minutes of this podcast. This particular statement, this one right now is something I need you to heed. You've tried pushing hard. You've tried going fast and it didn't fucking work. So what's the rush? Because if you rush it, you're going to fuck it up. What 
is the hurry. Focus on creating, as I said right at the beginning of this, good habits. And creating good habits takes time. Improving your relationship with food, movement, exercise, and your own self-worth and your own self-confidence takes time. And I suppose to close this out with probably the most important part, I haven't left the best till last, but at the same time, I haven't even spoken about something which is incredibly important. You don't have to be in a deficit every day. Now, if you've been following me long enough, you've been listening to these podcasts, you'll understand that fat loss is not about what you do per day. It's about what you do over time. Going back to my year analogy, spend 300 days in the deficit and spend 65 of them a little bit haywire and you'll still achieve your goal. Why? Because it's what you did the majority of the time. You put the body fat on because the majority of the time you're a dickhead with your calories, you're a dickhead with your movement, you're in a calorie surplus. The reverse is also true. The reverse is the solution. Just spend the majority of the time in a deficit. If you can't be in a deficit every single day for a week, don't worry about it. Don't be in a deficit every day of the week. You could achieve your goal eating at maintenance calories for six days of the week and being in a deficit for one day. It's going to take you a while, but you can achieve it. Because the net result, even just with one day in a deficit, is you're in a fucking calorie deficit. The same is also true. If you spend three days of the week in a calorie deficit, that's less than half the week. You spend two days of the week in a calorie surplus and you spend two days of the week at maintenance, you're still in a net calorie deficit because the majority of the week you're in a deficit. Now, obviously, it varies from week to week, depends on the size of the surplus, etc. But what I want to clarify right now is that you don't have to stick to the same amount of calories every single day. You don't have to be in an extreme calorie deficit. You don't have to worry about eating a good amount of food. In fact, the thing that I try to ram home as much as possible with my clients is the importance of knowing what your maintenance calories are. Because if you know the the point of which you go from deficit into surplus, then it makes your whole, whole diet much easier to adhere to. Because people get worried where they go, oh my God, I had a, an average. My target my target was supposed to be 1,400, you know? And I didn't average 1,400. I, I averaged 1,550. I'm 150 calories above my average every day, which means basically I'm consuming 150 more calories every day than I'm supposed to be. My response? Okay, what's your maintenance? It's 2,200. Right, so 2,200 is your maintenance. So you are still, still in, my mouth is fucking appalling, but I'm going to do my best, a 650 calorie deficit per day. So despite the fact you didn't adhere to your average goal of 1,400, you still adhered to a 650 calorie deficit, meaning that despite the fact your undulations and the amount of red there is on my fitness pal, you are still in a calorie deficit. And so you've written this week off as catastrophic when in actual fact, you've still made decent fucking progress. You've still been in a bigger calorie deficit than most people can sustain. It, it baffles me. The most important figure is not your target deficit because, yeah, a 500 calorie deficit per day yields a pound of fat loss. I want to lose more than a pound a week, blah, 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 blah. But that's no good if you can't adhere to it. What matters is you spend the majority of time in a calorie deficit. What matters is that you roll with the punches of life and you make things sustainable. Oh, it's my daughter's birthday. I want to eat some birthday cake. Eat some fucking birthday cake because not only are you helping yourself because you're going to enjoy it, probably going to be, you're going to adhere better the next day. Because you got it out of your system, you enjoyed yourself, but your daughter's not going to sit there and go, mummy's a dick, because mummy's not enjoying the cake. 
mummy eat my cake or you know that's the situation that comes up quite a bit actually baking with kids you'll be baking with them and all of a sudden you'll be like oh i can't have that because mummy's on a diet what fucking example are you setting to the next generation which basically are going to be you in 20 years time going through the same issues you're going through because it's the same issues your mum went through or your dad went through etc what kind of example are you setting by going no you can't have fun because mummy just wants to be a little bit leaner so that everybody looks at her when she wears her red bikini on the beach never mind playing in the sea with your kids not worrying about your physical appearance now i'm well aware that's quite a harsh statement i'm also well aware that that is quite a unique statement for parents you know those of you that are listening to this that don't have kids you know, there's there's something potentially that you can draw from that. But you see where I'm coming from with this. Life is for fucking living. Because let me ask you this question. If you got told you had a week to live, would you give a shit about a calorie deficit? No. You'd go and spend it with people. You'd go and enjoy some food. You'd go and do some shit. This year should have taught us more than any other year the importance of things outside of diets. It should teach us the importance of our health because the people that are suffering worst from COVID are people that have underlying health conditions and or are overweight. So it's taught us the importance of looking after ourselves. But at the same time, it's taught us that you don't need to spend every day slogging away in a calorie deficit. You can enjoy a day at maintenance. You can even enjoy a day in a calorie fucking surplus. Just spend the majority of the time in a deficit. Not even the same size deficit. Being a 100 calorie deficit one day, being a 1000 calorie deficit the next day, being a 300 calorie deficit the day after, being a 500 calorie deficit the day after that, or go to maintenance if you want to. Oh, it's Saturday night. Everyone's home. The kids are in a good mood. Let's get a takeaway. Why the fuck not? Because you've worked your ass off all week at work. You know, you've slogged through. You've adapted to all of the craziness of the world right now. You've adhered to your deficit. Enjoy some fucking food. Or if your mindset is, no, 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 I want to get to my goal as quick as possible, then don't have a takeaway or have one, but be selective about what you choose. The black and white thinking that comes from dieting, the black and white thinking that comes from deficit or not deficit or pass or fail, this switch mentality is where everyone, and I mean fucking everyone, goes wrong when it comes to their success on their diets, programs, whatever, their success at fat loss. If everybody took a much more open-minded and pragmatic approach to the way that they approach their deficit, not only would you all fucking get there, but we'd enjoy the fucking journey in the process because you can't put your life on hold for X amount of time. doesn't work that way and you shouldn't want to because there's more to life than calorie deficits. So if you're struggling, you don't have to be in a deficit every day. You don't have to slog it out every single day. If you're having a day where you feel a bit shit, or maybe it's your time of the month and you're a bit more peckish, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, of course, turning to food and emotional reaction isn't ideal. And so we always need to try and resolve issues which put the weight on in the first place. If you're an emotional eater, that's probably contributed to the extra wobble in your backside. But that's not to say that it's completely a bad thing we all emotionally eat i emotionally eat but it's the level of which you do it the intensity and the frequency that needs to change it's not a case of having demons or not having demons it's a case of quieting that quietening them living with them but managing them and if i could summarize that in one sentence it's being in control of you your actions and how your thoughts transpire interactions so if you're struggling, I hope this podcast has helped. 
I hope this has just shed some light on just maybe a different way of thinking, understanding about the approach that you take and understanding that this doesn't have to be a slog. There is no clock running, even if you are in the worst health position and your doctor has said to you, if you don't improve your health, then you're going to leave this earth early. Then that reaction is very different to every single person that's ever heard it. Some people panic and make all the changes and stick to them. Some people panic, make all the changes and don't stick to them. Some people, in that sense, are in this position where they're not quite detrimented from a health perspective. They're not quite at risk, but at the same time, they're not happy. That's where the majority of people that I work with sit between this this fine line of, yep, I'm not going to, you know, I've not been diagnosed or told that I'm fucked. But at the same time, I don't feel good. And I know that I could very well be fucked. There could be something going on or there's something on the horizon. So we're caught in this limbo of, mm, I've not quite reached that point of no return yet. So if you're in that point of no return, just understand that the first thing we need to do is recognize what's important to you and what you get out of it by making changes to your life start small because baby steps lead to marathons and just recognize that there's a million and one different ways that you can skin this cat and as long as you spend the majority of time in a deficit you'll be all right hell get a calendar get a little green pen get a little red pen doesn't even have to be those colors to be honest because even the colors themselves can promote good and bad can't they green is good red is bad Get a calendar. Every day you're in a calorie deficit, put a little mark on it. Every day you're in control of your calories, put a mark on it. Every day you kind of kick the ass out of it, put a different mark. And then over the course of the year, you'll see. So instead of focusing all your attention on must get there as fast as possible because I've got Janice's wedding and I need to fit in that dress, fuck the dress off. Use it by all means. If it is a motivational factor and it's helping, and I mean genuinely helping your adherence, then fine. Because again, everybody's different. Everybody's motivated differently. Go back to my podcast on motivation. You'll see what I mean. But if being in a rush is detrimenting you, then don't be in a fucking rush. Understand that the journey will take as long as you want it to take. As long as your adherence means that it takes. And that's okay. There is no rush. If not holiday next year, holiday the year after. Just make progress. Just make sure that be it every month... You've made a step forwards, maybe not necessarily always in the scales, in body fat levels or, you know, waist circumference, whatever, but you've made a step forwards in terms of your attitude and your behaviors. But in all fairness, if you've made a step forward with your behaviors, you probably will see a change. And when it comes to each year, gradually work your way, because I suppose to close this one out, some people achieve their goal in a matter of weeks. Some people achieve their goal in a matter of months. Some people achieve their goal in a matter of years. All of them are correct. So folks, thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this one. It's a longer episode, but it needed to be because there's a lot of people struggle. More people struggle than see success and that's what needs to change. So if you've benefited from this podcast and you think someone else can, do me a favor. You know, I mentioned at the beginning about what to do, but I want you to share it, okay? I want you to go on your social media, the most powerful form of word of mouth, and I want you to share it, okay? I want you to tell people about this podcast. I want you to tell people about what you've heard and how it's helped you. I want you to share it with people that can benefit. 
because it's about fucking time that more people saw success and stopped beating themselves up when they have a bad day or a bad multiple of days where they go off the rails or they lose control because it's not the losing control that fucks you over. It's the after effect of the losing control, the self-deprecation. So folks, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. I'm going to go and get my kids from school now. And I will see you guys on the next episode. And if you have any options or any kind of ideas for the next episodes, anything you guys want to hear, anything that you as an individual are struggling with, please let me know. And so, when it comes to the things you cannot change, accept them. They're going to fucking happen, like life. But accept what you cannot change. Have the courage to change the things that you can do something about and actually want to do something about. And the wisdom to know the difference. And if you've listened to this podcast, do me a favor. Drop me a message that just says hashtag 38. <laughs> Last time, quite a few of you sent me the hashtag X Factor Moy, so appreciate that one. But guys, thanks as always for staying to the end. And I'll see you on the next one. Toodles.